Hi friends! Welcome to the Project Stay Alive podcast. I'm your host Sarah and I'm really excited to introduce you to my friend Malcolm. Malcolm lives in the Pacific Northwest and he has a clothing line called Here for Life that he has created as a way of showing individuals struggling with mental health that there are communities of people who love you and support you and stand by you. He uses his clothing line as a way of building awareness and giving back both financially and emotionally to others around him. I so admire Malcolm and his endless energy and creativity, and I think that it's always fun to talk to people who are doing the same thing as me, just in like different ways. So today, Malcolm will tell you all about how he started his clothing line, his struggles, and how he supports others. He talks about a few special people in his life and their mental health struggles, and it's really important for me to just remind you that those people have allowed him to talk about their mental health struggles as well. All right, guys, without further ado, please keep listening to meet my friend, Malcolm. Malcolm. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Super, super excited that you're here and uh, can't wait for everybody to hear kind of what you're doing with your clothing line and what you're doing out here in Portland and your own mental health and how you're helping other people with their mental health stuff. Yeah. Should be fun. Okay. All right. Ready? So everybody does some opening questions when they're on the podcast and they are, tell us who you are, what you do, and why you care about mental health. Sure. So the first one being, who am I? Is that who it is? So my name is Malcolm Messer. Uh, I'm a 27-year-old. I guess you could call me like an entrepreneur in a way. Um, originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I moved out here in Portland about nine months ago, or about a year ago now, I suppose, in last September. And yeah, so that's who I am. That's the first one, right? (laughs) And then what's after that? What do you do? Oh, so I have a clothing brand for mental health and suicide prevention called Here for Life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited for you to tell us more about it. It's funny because my roommate, who's like my one of been been one of my best friends for years, and obviously knows about the podcast, is like, I just met this guy at work who you need to talk to. And I was really nervous because you're actually the first person that I emailed that I have no idea like who you are, right? Cold calling. And yeah. I'm like, you have to be on the podcast. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Ryan, uh, he like approached, I didn't even know him at all when he approached me. And he said something about like he saw something I posted on Facebook or what my other coworker had posted. And he thought it was like a Subaru logo mm-hmm. or something. And then it just turned into Classic. a conversation about... It not being the Subaru logo, but being a logo that I had for one of my um, clothing items. And then that conversation ensued, and then he told me about you, and then he was like, hey, she emailed you, uh, you should probably check that out. And I was like, I haven't gotten anything. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, and then I checked in the spam, and there was that, and I was like, yeah, of course I'll be on the show. I'm yeah. Like, I love it. Awesome. Okay, I'm not happy that our email went into the spam folder, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to figure that out. Yeah, I don't know. It happens with like everything important in my email, but I have like over like 10,000 unread emails. So, because, you know, it's been my email I've had since I was like a freshman in high school. Oh. Yeah. Should update probably. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I just got married and I'm like, I'm changing my last name. So I need to change my email address again. It's yeah. like such a nightmare. Okay. Tell us why you care about mental health. Sure. Um, I guess like the short end of it, because we can get into like the longer version later, is uh, growing up, I never really had like a whole lot of support with the things that I did. Um, That being like video work or just like different ideas I wanted to try, or like a good example would be like, I was a boy scout for like a week, and I was in Taekwondo for like a week, and if I wanted to quit, my parents were like, okay, yeah, you can quit. 
It wasn't like that seems supportive, but it wasn't the type of support that I needed. Yeah. Um, and then like, I've never been diagnosed with anything as far as ADHD or bipolar or anything like that or any type of depressive um, disorder, but I'm sure something's lingering in there. And when I had the idea for the clothing brand, it was kind of incepted because I had this friend who was a very positive part of my life at the time where they just kind of gave me unconditional support, like with everything. And they just seemed super positive. And, um, eventually I kind of found out that they were struggling with their mental health, um, suicidal tendencies and thoughts and things like that. And they told me their whole backstory and my way of helping was I wanted to be able to be a symbol, um, for people to know that like, there's people who like care. Uh, so it became like coming up with this whole idea of a wearable symbol to let people know that like you're there unconditionally, like if they need the help. And it's not supposed to be like we're, you know, necessarily the solution, but we're like offer the support to like lead people to the solutions in general. So my own mental health, um, like I don't really know what's going on with me, but even growing up, my sister... Uh, was diagnosed with lupus and endometriosis when she was like 12 or 13. And I had no idea because I'm like five years younger than her. So and this, so I was around like eight when she got diagnosed and she was getting harassed in school and all this, these types of things. And I had no idea about any of it when I was younger. But I found out that she was being harassed so much for it and she had to have all these surgeries and lupus just made her feel like garbage all the time, just hurting all the time. And um, my mom and my sister have both told me this story where basically uh they went to the doctor to try to figure out what was wrong with my sister because being diagnosed with endo is like really rare at that age it's typically around like 16 18 20s people get diagnosed she was diagnosed when she was like 12 or 13 oh wow yeah so uh they kept going to the doctors and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her because they weren't testing for endo they were just testing in general to figure out what was wrong and they couldn't figure anything out and the doctors actually told my mom and dad that they think my sister is so smart that she's faking it and that they're just pulling one over on them and this and that. And my sister had told me that she overheard a conversation between my parents where my dad had suggested like maybe the doctors are right. Maybe she is really smart, this or that. And my mom said, no, I believe my kid. Like we're going to figure out what's wrong with her. And my sister had said that if my mom didn't back her up, she was going to kill herself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so it was one of those things where I was like, my sister didn't even get the support that she needed, and if she didn't get the support that she needed from my mom, like, she probably wouldn't be here. And, like, that thought breaks my heart. And now when I'm older, I've had conversations with my sister, too, where I'm like, I didn't know. Like, I was eight. I had no idea what it was. I was, you know, when my friends couldn't come over because you were sick or tired all the time, and they're like, why can't we ever go to your house? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I have, you know, I had no idea what was even going on. I was like, now I do. I'm like, and I'm glad that she's here. I'm glad that she's around and stuff. But there's all these like little parts in my past, like growing up that I was so oblivious to and I couldn't see like the signs. Even before I moved, I had um, a friend that I had worked with for like a few months before I moved, they had told me that they were dealing with suicidal thoughts and that the clothing brand was actually helping them find like hope, so to speak. And when I told them that, yeah, it was super awesome. But when I told them that I was moving to help my friend, I mean, he started crying in front of me because he was like, what am I going to do without you? And I'm like, dude, I'm still here. Like, if you need me, you know I'm flying back. Like, just let me know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the basic backstory with, like, some of the mental health stuff that's gone on in my life or in those around me that um, kind of led me to here for life yeah. and the inception of it. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, how's your sister doing now? Uh, good. I mean, like, she's not, I mean, as far as I know. Yeah. You know, um, it's a little difficult living across the country now because they're all still back in Minnesota. But she, uh, she still deals with endo and lupus on a daily basis. And, you know, she's also very, very introverted. So there's been times where, you know, she uses um, sugar and food to, like, cope with her anxiety and stuff. So she ends up gaining a bunch of weight. But she's done, like, triple P90X every day before and, like, cut weight like crazy, like, super dedicated when she wants it. But then when she got to that way, she got like a ton of attention from people mm. and she didn't like that. So it kind of just goes back and forth and fluctuates a bunch and trust issues and things like that just from the past. And um, she has like a better job now and she has like healthcare, which is great, you know, and she takes care of herself as much as she can. But when I come home, I do talk to her about some of the stuff. I'm like, you're good, right? Because now I understand. I understand it's yeah. like an ongoing struggle. It's not like, oh, you're better. Yeah. It's like, oh, are you doing okay today? You know, so, but yeah, she's doing better as far as I know. Good. Yeah, I feel like people don't understand the significant mental health effects that having chronic health conditions can have. Yeah. Like, especially um, people who have like hidden disabilities or whatever, you know, where you can't, you can't tell that they're sick because it's not making them walk different or talk right. different or whatever the deal is. Well, so. and even the pain tolerance or like the tolerance for like your own pain mentally, mm-hmm. like becomes so high eventually, you know, cause you just tell yourself your entire life, like, I got this, I got this, I got this until like you hit a threshold where it's like a breaking point, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, um, I think about it all the time when I'm like having a bad day at work or I'm sick or I need like a break or something like that where I'm like I need to leave I'm sick and they go you don't look sick I'm like that's because I can fake it because I've been faking it forever I've been faking it all week like obviously I'm not okay you know and there's little signs that I pick up specifically with my roommate right now it's um there's days where I'm like how are you and she'll be like I'm okay and I was like are you okay are you fine because those are two separate things you know fine is like I'm fine, I'll make it through the day. And okay, it's like, I'm doing okay. You know, nothing's really wrong today. I just kind of feel it. And fine, it's like, I'm not okay, but I'm going to push through it because I need to. Yeah. So even just like one word differences is like a complete difference. There's like little signs that you can pick up on for certain people and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I love it. I love, I especially love that that person-centered component of like, if you really notice or you learn about someone, you'll realize these really subtle differences just in their language that oh, yeah, speaks totally. to their mental health. Or like body language in general. Like yeah. sometimes she'll like be biting her lips. I'm like, you anxious right now? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, no, not really. I'm like, I can tell. I know your tells. You can't like lie to me right now. Or it's like, um, she has ADHD. So she's like tapping her foot a lot all the time. So when she's like, just like kind of losing her mind with that stuff. She's tapping her foot, but when she's anxious, she rubs her feet together. Mm-hmm. So there's like little subtle differences around like you anxious. And she's like, yeah, how do you know? I'm like, well, you're not tapping your foot, you're rubbing them together. It's like weird little things. But when you spend like every waking moment with someone, you just like... You pick up on you it. You pick up on it. Okay, great. Well, fun. So tell us about Here for Life. Tell us um, like what prompted you to start your clothing line. Sure. So the very start of it, um, as I mentioned in the intro a little bit, was, I mean, like, the actual story is kind of, like, ridiculous if I go all the way back. So I always wanted to do, like, a clothing brand. Um, and originally, it was supposed to be called uh, SPS Clothing, which was supposed to be Support Progress Success. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be um, a fitness brand. 
But when I was had the inception of that idea, I just didn't really like fall in love with it. And I was like, I don't want a brand just to like make money. I'm not trying to like have a business. I want it to like make some type of impact or whatever. And when I was talking to my roommate, I was, I mean like this is like where the name came from, but I had said, how come they don't have like beanies for like the summer? Like I was like, it's always like winter beanies people are wearing and it's always so hot and it's just stupid. And you know, I ended up saying like beanies for life or something like that. And that's where that whole like name came from in general. And a lot of people don't know that, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's such like a silly story. No, that's but, fun. Um, I love it. Yeah. But, uh, so the whole beanies for life thing came into being and then I started like looking into like, if there were beanies that you can make for the summer and stuff. And then with my friend, when she had told me that she was suicidal and had told me about her bipolar manic depressive episodes and her lupus and all these other things that were going on and um she had told me a little bit about her past and it just seemed that like she never really got support because even the type of support she got was from like a religious aspect which is like fine for some people you know it works for them but for her specifically with everything that happened in her past she kind of fell out of her religion so when she would be like I need to go to treatment because I'm suicidal to her family or whatever and their response was, well, we'll just pray for it to make it better. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's not like spiritual healing, so to speak. It's like sometimes it is like a physical ailment or like mm-hmm. a mental condition or whatever. So she never really got the support that she needed where even when she had um, like meds, um, some members of her family would cancel her medications and not let her get them because like, we'll just pray. God will take care of you. Which, you know, teach their own, like whatever. If you believe that, you believe that. If you don't, you don't, not a big deal. But to me, me being more agnostic than anything and just kind of having the freedom to grow up with whatever I want to believe in, I really believe that like you should give support in whatever way the person needs it. And I felt like she never really got the support that she needed in the past. And I remember telling her before, like, I wish I met you sooner because I kind of feel like none of that stuff would have happened if I was around. And it wasn't so much like I could have fixed stuff, but it was like I would have given you the support that I feel like would have helped. Like the support I'm giving you now, I could have given you sooner. You know, it's unfortunate that we had never met. Um, So it was just this idea of like support. And I was like, I just want to be able to give her support specifically. And then I kind of combined the clothing brand idea with that where I was like, there should just be this community where people aren't afraid to talk about it and aren't afraid to give resources and aren't afraid to just, you know, it's like you had asked me before we even started the podcast, is there anything you'd like me to ask or not ask? And I'm like, no, I'm an open book. Ask me about anything. I'll tell you about anything. Cause that's how it should be specifically with mental health in my opinion. Um, so I started the clothing brand. I originally was like for her to be like, I have like, there's these 20 plus people who are wearing this t-shirt and hoodie And these are people who support you. They will unconditionally support you. They're there for you. They care that you're around, you know? And it was just like this visual symbol of being able to tell that like people like care. Um, So then as time went on, it kind of grew into like more than a t-shirt, you know? We had like a couple of Kickstarters here and there and raised a bunch of money and we've done like some some, uh, fundraiser shows and stuff like that to help people go to treatment and yeah. it's turned out to be way more life-changing to other people than I thought it would be where I just got messaged from um I mean I even messaged it was this long Facebook post from this girl I had never even met before 
just telling her story about how she went through like Aflac insurance and she went to treatment and because she was having suicidal thoughts and all these different things and just, you know, all these different conditions and stuff. And then Aflac didn't cover any of it, even though they said they did. So now she's like so much in debt and all this stuff. And she's telling her story and sharing it. So other people who have been through it can be like, I know what it's like, whatever. And at or the share end, some resources. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of it, she was like, shout out to Here for Life and Malcolm Messer. And I was like, who are you? I have no idea who you even are. I have no idea how I have a connection to you. And, you know, I messaged her back. I was like, that's really great. Thanks for the shout out. Like, if you need anything, let me know. Like, and she was like, feel free to use my story. And I mentioned this to you mm-hmm. too. I was just like, well, actually on the Here for Life website, we have a blog thing. So you can go and type in your story, submit it. I can post it and then others can go comment on it. You can offer support to other people or like get supported from other people from sharing your story. Yeah. So. Isn't it funny how like social media is terrible in so many ways, so many ways, right? But the ability to bring people together around common interests or goals or needs or just like today I have this thing has anyone else had this thing today too is so powerful it's insane but it's like I I mean I'm 27 so like when I was growing up it's like the cell phone just came out the internet was just coming out yeah we didn't have this stuff yeah so it's like there there's definitely like a generational disconnect where I'm like I have this phone I have social media I don't want it I need it it's not a want at all if I could just like not have it at all I wouldn't but right now it's like for the businesses like here for life and some of the other stuff I do it's like it's needed yeah otherwise I wouldn't have it all I'd be like you know dirt clot war rock war square gun fights yeah. <laughs> yeah. riding my bike outside right make sun. sure you're home by the time the yeah. lights go off yeah exactly okay <laughs> don't get kidnapped yeah cool so tell everyone where they can um find information about here for life potentially purchase some clothing what's sure. what's that about so we actually have um our own website and our own domain called hereforlife.com spelled h-e-r-e number four l-y-f and it's all capitalized uh you can do it all capitalized all okay. lowercase either way it works when you type it into the um browser but uh yeah hereforlife.com You'll know your restore right place when you see this little like commercial promo video or like hear my voice being like, welcome to here for life. And it's such like a like crap audio too. Yeah. Because like I had to record it like with my headphones. The guy who did the video didn't want to record the audio for me and stuff like that. So it's like pretty cheesy, but um, there's a bunch of stuff on there. Like we have um, a tab for events that hasn't really been updated because we haven't done a whole lot of events. But um, you can check out when we have events and when they're there or like when we have podcast episodes or we just started doing the blogging thing where you can submit your own blog and um we've endorsed a couple bands in minnesota and they're awesome they're going on tours we have collaboration shirts just a bunch of stuff yeah and so contact info is on there too under the contact tab and you can just shop any of the stuff right now we're doing this thing called christmas in july where if you buy anything you get like a free gift if you spend like uh if you buy like one shirt i give you a bunch of stickers from like our printing company and here for life and if you buy like two shirts you get a bonus shirt and if you the more you spend the more i give you for free yeah so that's basically how that is free plug right there fun i love it everybody go check out the website and um if you are interested definitely post your own mental health story on the blog i'm going to be getting my stuff together and posting mine as well 
Um, but things have been busy, so I'm yeah. hoping to do that. Yeah, totally. Weekend. And if you really want like a detailed backstory on like why I moved out to Portland and stuff, the first blog entry is actually the whole story about me uprooting my life to come help my friend. Cool. So yeah, you can check that out and get a more in-depth story instead of me just going like, yeah, I moved. Yeah, <laughs> I moved. <laughs> I moved. Awesome. Okay, I love it. Thank you so much. So I'm really interested in the first time I met you, and you said it kind of at the beginning of this podcast episode, but you said that your own experience, you have a hunch is kind of atypical, but you've never been diagnosed. or mm-hmm. um, So tell us a little bit about that, because I remember being a kid and being like, I am not like the rest of these kids around me. Or like right. when I was in graduate school, um, when I got diagnosed, it was it became really apparent to me. I'm not like the rest of my peers. So what is that that you think is kind of a bit different? Well, I've always thought like, and like, you know, to each their own, as far as like what life experience you've gone through that changes your brain in one way or another. I mean, um, one of the biggest things I know is I have some type of trust issues when it comes to like my friends and things like that, because my first friend I made in like first grade and then, he moved to Alaska and then I made another friend and they moved to Montana and then another one to Texas and another one to New York and then Washington and Colorado. So it's like, after a while, it kind of felt like I'm not supposed to have friends. I'm doing something wrong like this and that, you know? Um, so that probably like created some sort of complex in my brain, you know, and that's something I pushed through. Um, but actually like getting sidetracked a little bit with this, there's this thing that I see online all the time and it totally ties into this, how I like fight the idea of like me being the problem is uh, I see this thing where it's like, I'm tired of putting myself out there for other people and then them not asking me to hang out or this or that. And I like really, really hate seeing those posts because it's totally just contributing to the problem yeah. where I'm like, some people are introverted. Some people don't have it in them to be like, hey, you want to hang out? Hey, you want to hang out? Hey, you want to hang out? And that's totally fine. People are different. There's, you know, introverts, extroverts, and omniverts. Um, So there's, like, a whole, like, melting pot of all these different people. And for you to be able to sit there and go, like, I'm more important than you are. You should ask me to hang out is totally, like, bogus. And it totally just, like, contributes to it. Because to me, it's, like, if you enjoy someone's company, it shouldn't be hard to ask them to hang out. And if they tell you no you shouldn't need to be able to like take it personally because you don't know what's going on with them. You know, it's, um, my roommate, her just having her own stuff going on, gets asked to do stuff all the time. And she's like, I just want to stay in. I'm like, that's fine. Let's stay in. Not a big deal. You know, but I see that stuff on Facebook all the time or whatever. And I comment on like, this is part of the problem and I'll explain why, you know, and I like go into my whole spiel about it, but that's how I kind of combat my own inner monologue of like me being a problem with people is where I willingly know, like, I make a point to remind myself that I'm like, it's not me, people are different. And I could be the one person who, like, makes someone feel good because everyone typically feels, like, lonely. Yeah. Like, and isolated in today's day and age despite having, you know, the social network and stuff like that. It's it's kind of a shame that people are so isolated and feel alone so much. Um, so I make a point to, like, point out, like, you know, if you enjoy someone's company, ask them to hang out. That's how you, like, solve that problem. Um, it's like, you could be the person who's sitting there feeling bad for yourself because no one wants you to hang out with them or whatever, but everyone feels that way. So instead of you being part of the problem, you could be part of the solution by being the one who makes people feel like they're wanted. Yeah. And if you make them feel like you're wanted, 
they're going to make you feel like you're wanted too. Because it is a two-way road, but it's one of those things where it's like someone has to be the first one to, you know, in a sense, like, step up to the plate. Because yeah. um, when people just kind of sit there and go like, I'm all alone, no one likes me, and everyone feels that way all the time because of this, like, human nature, like, you need the people who will go like, hey, let's hang out, because why not? Right. You know? So, but that's how I kind of combat that whole, like, anti-trust friendship mm-hmm. type thing is just reminding myself that, like, everyone's kind of lonely. Yeah. Um, so that's, like, one aspect of it. Uh, pretty sure I like some kind of ADD or ADHD. I always tap in my foot. Brain's constantly going where I've told my girlfriend before. I was like, it's almost like a curse. And she's like, why? I was like, because my brain just, like, never stops. Ever. It's constantly having thoughts. I can't calm down. Even when I try to sleep, I have insomnia because my brain just doesn't slow down. Typically, when I do sleep, it doesn't feel like sleep. It's like the, what's it called, like lucid dreaming where you can like control everything that happens. And if you go like, I want to wake up, you just like wake up. So it's like, I probably don't actually get good sleep ever. Yeah. So there's that too. And then like, there's probably some type of like depression mixed in there because that runs with the family and Mm -hmm. things like that. But for the most part, it's like I never thought of myself as having any like um, mental condition or mental illness. And I think in a weird way, that's like a blessing to my outlook on people who have illnesses. Specifically, an example would be my roommate where I tell him, I was like, dude, you're not like, her name's Jamie. And I'm like, you're not like bipolar Jamie to me. You're not lupus Jamie to me. You're Jamie. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the mental illness doesn't define you. And it's like, you're like everyone else. It's just some days you have good days and some days you have bad days. Why is that any different from anyone? Yeah. It's not. It's like, it's just your bad day might be physical pain when my bad day might be having trust issues with someone. But that doesn't mean I feel like that all the time. Yeah. You know? That's such a powerful thing and it's so hard. It takes so long to do because, um, do you know, do you know anything about like grieving or the process of grieving? Uh, isn't there like five, five stages? Yeah, Yeah. Right. Something like that. But I feel like as people were always grieving something, if it's not like the loss of someone, it's kind of the loss of an identity or a relationship or whatever the deal is. So for me, it took a really long time for me to grieve this idea that I would be like a normal, right, in quotations, air quotes for everybody who can't see me, like a normal person to accept the fact that like I experienced the world a little bit differently, but then I took on that identity. So like, like Jamie, right. I was like, Oh, you're just like Sarah, like you're just a borderline from hell. Right. So then I like held on to that thought about myself for a long time. And then I had to grieve that to just be like, actually, no, you just like really love people pretty deeply and that's all it is. So we just have to figure out how to regulate. Yeah. And some days are better than others. Yep. You know, and that's that's something else too where you you know bring up your own um like issues mental disorder whatever whatever you want to call it but like i have found that like the majority of people i know everyone has something yeah literally like like what is a perfect brain what is a perfect person or body and the fact that if you think that you have a perfect brain or perfect person like that's the problem you know like there's something that's always there no one's perfect like literally and it's such a cliche to say that but i like knowing people where i'm like i think he has his stuff together and like he's he's engaged he has a kid like he's getting a house whatever and then like i go to move and my friend's just like dude i ended up in the hospital for three months because i tried to kill myself 
And I'm like, what? I had no idea. And he's like, it's just so hard to be happy. And it's so stressful. And I just don't know what's going on with certain things. And everyone just has issues. That's why I think it's so weird that it's such like a taboo topic to top, like talk about like your mental health and stuff. Because it's like, you could literally be like, sometimes I just feel like no one wants me around. Literally, the world will relate to you. Yeah. But you can't say that out loud because it's expected for you to just like deal with it on your own. And it's just so strange to me, yeah. that whole like mindset of it all. It's funny you said that because I was just thinking when you talk about your friend, and I've heard this story before, the friend that attempted suicide, I wonder if people listening are going to be like, ah, I can't listen to people talk about suicide. And it's like, but it's so real. There well, are days many of us just don't want to be here anymore. Right. And the thing that's so crazy is people think that like suicidal thoughts are like the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. And like literally the majority of the population all think about it. Yep. If you don't think about your own mortality, like are you just like not human? Yeah. Like, and you know, there's a difference between having suicidal tendencies and having a uh, suicidal ideation. Right. Where with suicidal ideation, it's like, I've had that where I'm like, if I died, would it matter? Yeah. And then, like, to me, I'm like, I mean, other people would be sad, but if they die, that won't matter either. You know, it's like this weird like complex about certain things. And I actually read this thing the other day that said like people who tend to be more um, realists really struggle a lot with the world around them. Cause a lot of people will kind of accept what's for what and a realist will like look at the world and realize how like insignificant that they actually are and be like, well, our time here is short and there's actually like so much time, but like this and that. And like, they can look at everything like black and white and go like, oh, what I do doesn't even really matter which is like such like a sad thought. But to me thinking that I'm like, yeah, it's like, it is what it is. Cause I'm a realist. That's how I am. So I'm like, yeah. Where people have asked me about, um, like, what do you think? Or like a better example would be like a couple Christmases ago, I asked my brother or I was asking a bunch of family members, like, what are you scared of? What's your fear? What's your fear? Right. And people are like spiders, snakes, whatever. And my brother's like, I'm scared of dying. And like my immediate response was why? And he's like, well, what if there's nothing afterwards? I was like, well, if there's nothing afterwards, that wouldn't matter. You're not going to experience it. No. I was like, if, if you want to view it in like an atheist type way, I was like, if you die, you're not there to experience pain. You're not there to experience anything. It's just like done. So whatever. And I was like, and if there is an afterlife, cool. Like, why is that so scary? I was like, are you scared you're going to go to hell? Because if that's like your belief system and that's like what you believe in, and you think that you're going to go to hell or something like that, you should probably start changing your lifestyle habits because that's the way that you should be living if you're already scared of that now, you know? But to me, it's like, I'm like, I'm not scared of it because if it happens, it happens. It's, like, inevitable. Like, I'll be sad, you know? It's like people will be sad about it, I'm sure. But, like, it's just, like, such a, a weird thought and a weird, like, approach that I have to it where I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mortality is very interesting. And so I heard something the other day. They're like, what did they say? The days are long, the years are short. I mean, it's, we do have 80, 90 years on this planet. And that yeah. seems like a long time now at 25. But I'm sure when I'm 75, it's going to be like, wow, that went by so fast. Yeah. The thing that I do know, right? And, and I haven't yet figured out kind of what's after all of this. But I know that for everybody, when you're gone you live on by the people who love you and have stories about you and the impact that you had while you were here. Right. So like if 
God forbid something happened to you, what would live on? I know 100% is the fact that a person you don't even know calls you and says, or emails you and says, thanks for, you know, working to reduce stigma because it made my experience better. Well, and this is what's like crazy too is so like, uh, me and my friend have talked about this before because they had a family member who had passed away and all of these people show up to the funeral. I was like, he was such a good guy. He was so great. He was this, he was that. And my friend was like, it sucks because like they didn't tell him this when he was here and now he's not here to experience it. So I was having that conversation. Now I go out of my way to be like, Hey, I appreciate you for these reasons. Like, you know, and that's part of the whole support thing of here for life is like, you bring value to me. Even if I don't know you, like you seem like a nice person and like the energy I get from you, like the vibe I feel from you is pretty positive and I like it. You know, it's like even just saying that or being like, you have a lovely smile. Just want to say that, you know, it's like, you brighten my day. Good for you. You know, good for me. Yeah. You know, so it's like the whole mortality thing is something I think about like all the time just because I think it's like the one thing that no one's ever going to know the answer to. So it's like such a cool idea to be able to like twist and mold into different theories mm-hmm. and whatever. But that's, you know, like I said, the brain that never stops. Never stops. It's like yeah. the topic that just keeps, keeps going, and going. going and going and going and yeah. going. Yeah. I won't figure it out, no. but I, I still like it. You yeah. Know, come up with different theories and whatever. It's interesting because I know a lot of people who avoid those those questions that can never be answered because they don't want to do the brain that never stops. Like they shy away from those really hard, um, you know, almost existential type concepts because they don't want to have that questionable experience. Yeah. Teach their own. Okay, so I was really interested in knowing kind of how you cope with loneliness. Last question about your own mental health and... Um, before we kind of transition on to how you're supporting others. But I've found um, being lonely is one of the worst experiences ever. And you mentioned that, you know, everybody's kind of lonely. There's a lot of research about how, um, like, aging individuals experience loneliness at a rate that is just, you know, so high that they're, like, dying because of it. Right. So you're far away from family. How are you coping? I mean... So I have like this really, I'm going to rant for a second too, because okay. there's, there's like this thing about like social media and all these things that like tie into this idea I have. And it was one of the reasons why I started the clothing brand was cause I mean, you and I, I think are around the same age, yeah. relatively like late twenties, early thirties, somewhere around there. And when we were growing up, like I had mentioned, it's like, we had dialogue, you know, we didn't have the cell phone, we didn't have the <laughs> internet to tip of our fingers. <laughs> Any of this stuff. If you went on, like, your Oregon Trail green screen, like, desktop, (laughs) and someone called your phone, you got disconnected from the internet, you know? And, like, we grew up with that, and, like, probably, like, more strict parents are like, go outside, you know, like, whatever. And it went into this where it's, like, you know, you go to your neighbor's house, like, can you play? Right? And now it's, like, you hear a knock on your door, and you grab your gun, you're, like, peeking out the curtain, like, who is it? You know? And it's, like, everyone's so scared of everything. And maybe there's a reason for it. Like, you know, it's, like, stuff happens now. And it's way easier to, like, on the opposite spectrum of the social media thing, so easy to find anyone you want to find. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it is, like, scary. But at the same time, it's, like, we grew up in a time where it's, like, you hung out with the neighborhood kids. Or... You know, your brother or sister's friends were your friends also. Like, you just hung out as a group because whatever, that's what you did. And now, we live in a time where everyone has, you know, the internet, the tips of their fingers, and online video games and stuff like that. And although they're connected to people across the world, they're missing, like, their at-home community. 
So to me, I'm like, you're alone still. It's like, what's the difference? Like a perfect example is like when people play video games, like online, when I played video games growing up, like Mario Kart on N64, you know, you played with four people in front of one screen with quarter controllers. Like you're next to each other, like inches from the screen trying to like race or whatever. And it like, you'd take turns or you'd play like a one player game and you're like passing the controller, trying to beat it like as a team, as a unit. And once it changed to like online gaming and you could game with anyone you want to, even your friends from the comfort of your home without them being there, something like shifted. Cause when you're texting someone or when you're talking on the phone with someone or when you're talking with someone like on a chat on an online game, what's the difference between that and like talking to a machine? Yeah. Like you don't know. It could be a machine. You have no idea. And that's not me being all like, you know, whatever. Um, paranoid. Like called? Paranoid and, you know, like, uh, I almost said schizo, but that's not the right word. It's, um, uh, I don't remember what it's called. 9-11 theories and this and that. Oh, and conspiracy like, Conspiracy theories, theories yeah, and that okay. stuff, yeah. Um, it's just like that interaction that you get that like like fuels your soul isn't there. It's like you, you're texting to someone, okay, well, what if you're just texting a machine or texting a stranger? What's the difference? You have no idea. And there's like such a difference between like, like for example, like you and me being here in person doing the podcast completely different than if we're just doing it over the phone yeah you don't see my face you don't see my gestures and my hands going everywhere you don't see how passionate i am about certain things you might be able to hear it in my voice if you're like listening for it but it's completely different so we live in like this time now where everyone's like connected to everyone around the world and like you can talk to whoever you want but like how often are you going to go see that person in person and experience something like authentic with them so what ends up happening is people, even though they feel connected or they say they're connected, they're totally like isolated in my opinion. And not only from like their friends and family, but at the same time, like you're just like by yourself. Like how are you supposed to meet like anyone like real, you know? And it's like, there's this weird theory that I had read a while ago that said like, um, there's some things that are like completely imaginary that exist more than you do. Where it's like, for example, if I say Santa Claus, you get a picture in your head. Guy, big white beard, red hat, red coat, whatever. And if I say Santa Claus to like the majority of the population, they totally know who I'm talking about. They hear his ho, ho, ho laugh and they know what he does, know his job, knows his backstory, knows his schedule, whatever. But if I go to you and you never met me and I said like Malcolm Messer, you'd have no idea who that is. It's just a name to you. So what's the difference between that and just like, talking to someone that you don't even know you know what i mean so it's like do you actually exist to that person wow yeah it's like some again yeah, that brand that never some, stops right uh-huh. yeah and so it's like the whole idea of like here for life the reason why we started doing like events and things like that is because the whole idea is to like bring people together for like this common like you're in this safe place where people support you and people want you around like to experience this together like an actual moment yeah. instead of this online gibberish you know so that's my rant but loneliness yeah well and just (laughs) hearing you like talk about all of this I bet if you didn't have your clothing line and you were just here away from your family you'd be way more lonely than now with your clothing line because it sounds like it's a thing that connects you to a lot of groups of people yeah absolutely I mean like my clothing my clothing line um connects to like the music scene in Minnesota and some of the music scene out here 
I've had um, fundraiser shows at bars. I've met comedians because I've booked stand-up comedians at the fundraiser shows. Um, I've, like, networked crazy amounts just from here for life. So it's... You're right. It makes me feel, like, less lonely. And luckily, I have my friend here, too. And if I didn't have my friend or the clothing brand or things to, like, keep me busy, I'd be, like, pretty lonely. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the loneliness strikes. And... I find the worst feeling in the world is like when you're not alone, like you have people there, but you still feel lonely. Mm -hmm. Like you don't feel like complete, like something's totally missing and trying to find that part of you that's like missing is like really, really, really difficult. Where um, my girlfriend has this complex, this issue all the time where like, a, like I'll give an example, like she really, really, really likes interior design. I'm like, why don't you go to school for that? And she goes, well, I don't want to go to school for that because what if I don't like it? And I'm like, well, you already like it now. And then, you know, she gets like worked up. And she's like, I just don't know who I am. And I'm like, nobody knows who they are. Like, period. I was just like, they don't. I was like, unless you're trying things. I was like, to me, like if you asked me who I was, I would honestly probably be like, you know, I'm like a nice guy who like cares about people. I'm like a closet nerd. Like people don't know that I play Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering and love Harry Potter and stuff because like I don't wear shirts and I'm not like casting a Patronus charm at people yeah, and right. whatever, you know? And I was like, that's stuff that I know about me that a lot of people don't know. But like people who do know me when they're asked like who I am, they could ramble off forever. He's such a nice guy. He does this and this. He's funny. He's this, he's that. He's charismatic, whatever. But to me, I'm not that. So everyone has, like, this perception of, like, themselves that's just, like, not who they actually are. I was like, you will never know who you are. You are just, like, who you are to other people. So it's, like, and everyone has a different perspective. Someone could think I'm, like, great. Someone could think I'm, like, a total a-hole. Like, and that's not up to you. All you can really do is, like, do the things that you want to do and do the things that you enjoy and stop worrying about, like, who you are because, like, you are who you are. You can't, like, pick and choose what you, like, are. Because that's, like, for other people to decide. Like, it's a very weird perspective mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's one of the things that, like, everyone struggles with, too. Like, this loss of identity. And it's, like, I have this weird outlook on it where I feel like I'm, like, I don't know who I'm going to be. I know who I was and I know who I am now. And I know what I would like to be like. But that's also, like, totally subjective to, like, what might happen tomorrow. So, it's, like... I don't know. Go with the flow. Yeah. Everyone has that loss of identity because right. everyone just feels like something's missing. But it's like you're missing something, but like looking for something and you don't know what it is. Yeah. So like, what's the point of like looking? Like, it's like a weird thought. Mm -hmm. I know that. Yeah. But for, I think for everybody listening, it's like the, the, adv the advice that I hear in this is if you have an interest to explore it. Yeah, totally. Because you don't know what it could or couldn't make you into. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe your girlfriend will go to college for interior design. Maybe. I mean, she's already talented without it. Yeah. She doesn't. And I'm like, yo, I went to school. It cost me 25000 and it didn't amount to anything. So don't do it unless you want to do it. You know, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. 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 So many of my friends have like gone to college for something and then end up doing something totally different. But yep. <laughs> Good times. Okay, let's uh, let's transition on into talking about supporting others. So you have a yeah. lot of people in your life, and I think you said this early on, it's like all of us have something, right? So you have a yeah. lot of people around you. 
um, similar to me and, you know, everybody who are struggling. Um, so what advice do you have for people who are struggling with their mental health? Sure. So I remember I was having a conversation about this the first time we met a little bit too. And I remember you asking me basically like, how do I combat like my feelings of like depression, I think is kind of what you had mentioned. And I said that, um, my like happiness and like my drive comes from like helping others. And it's like, even if that person feels horrible in a weird way, that makes me feel better because it makes me feel like I'm of use Mm -hmm. because when I can't help someone, I feel like I'm just like chilling, just like waiting for something to happen. And I don't like that feeling of just like waiting. Um, so like for me, it's like how I deal with a lot of my own stuff. It's just like, in a way, and I remember you messaged me about this back too, where I was just like, I will take care of anyone else always. Cause that's just like, you know, it's like uh, a perfect example is I had, um, a coworker who had, I was having like a really bad day and they had approached me and they're like, I need some advice. And literally in my head, I was like, dude, why me? Because I was just like, I'm just having a day. Why me? And like, that was internally. And on the outside, I was just like, yeah, what's up? You know, it's like, let me help you the way I can because whatever, you know, and it turned out to be like this whole other thing won't get into, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, I will always set my own stuff aside to like help someone else. And you had mentioned like, just make sure to take care of yourself. I was like, I know. I was like, that's, that's my biggest mental condition is my, um, I like an anti-ego. Like I would much rather build other people up and focus on them than focus on my own stuff. It's like, the hardest thing for me, like, do you know what, like, a uh, sensory deprivation tank is? Oh, yeah, those are cool. I haven't yeah. done it. Yeah, so if you don't know and you're listening, it's basically, like, this tank that of water that's, like, enclosed, so it's pitch black, and they warm the water to your body temperature, and it's just filled with a bunch of salt water, so you just float. So it just feels like you're, like, floating in space, and it's, like, completely quiet, and it's weird. I went to go do one of these because it's like, this is totally going to clear my head. I'm going to be alone with my thoughts. I need to just like tough it out and do it, whatever. And I was terrified to do it, but super excited. And then I did it and I was super disappointed because like there was no like, you know, epiphany or anything like that. I was just like sitting there and like the weirdest thing about it was I was like, are my eyes open? Like I couldn't tell if like my eyes were open or closed. Because it was too dark. Because it was too dark and I was like am I asleep right now? Like it was just like weird things like that. But maybe it did help because the only things that I was really thinking about at the time when I was in there was um, my roommate who I moved out here to help and then my girlfriend back home. So I think like internally there was totally like this conflict of like who I should be there for more at this moment and things like that. And I was lucky enough to have the support um, of my girlfriend. Like honestly, like she's been like the rock that's helped me through all this where I remember before I decided to move I had asked her I was like I need to have a serious conversation with you and she's like yeah what's up and I was just like if you thought your friend might kill themselves like commit suicide or die from suicide and you felt like you could help but to help you needed to break up with your significant other to move across the country in all honesty what would you do? And she was like, honestly? And I was like, yep, give it to me straight. She's like, if it was like life or death for my friend, I would break up with my significant other to go help them. I was like, glad we're on the same page. So we'll stay together, but I'm going to go. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's like to have that type of support where she understood from the beginning what I was trying to do. I mean, we got 
we got a bunch of crap from everyone because my roommate is Jamie is a girl it's not a boy and you know got a bunch of crap of everyone saying I was going to cheat on my girlfriend and this and that and I'm like if you knew what this was about and not thinking of it as such like a shallow thought of like I'm moving across the country for another girl my girlfriend's being so stupid for letting me go I'm like you don't know that there was a conversation you don't know that like this is like a life or death thing for my friend that I'm trying to help or that I moved out here for the clothing brand and to meet different people and you know, my personal growth and my mental health because I was at a point where I felt stuck in Minnesota, like all these different things. But like, you know, like I said before, it's like people view a version of you that you don't see of yourself. So it's like at that moment, everyone thought I was like a crap person for bailing out my girlfriend and leaving for this other girl or whatever. And now that they know everything that's going on, when I like announced the clothing brand and everything that was happening, they're like, oh, you're such a sweet, selfless dude. And I'm like, in a weird way, I'm like, told you so. Like, I'm like, why would you ever believe any different than me? You know, like, it's like, that's who I've been my whole life. And you thought I was just like having a spurt of like, screw it. You know, it was just like weird. But people perceive other people in like weird ways. Yeah. 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 We have to just like grieve that too, right? Just grieve the fact that other people are going to have thoughts and ideas and beliefs about us. And we can't, we can't do a whole lot to change them. We can do some things. We can try to explain ourselves. We can, you know, try to behave differently if we, if we feel so inclined, but people like we have thoughts about people are going to have thoughts about us. Yeah. And we cannot let that, you know, lead the, the way that we interact in the world. Well, and like my biggest, like, mental concern for myself wasn't even the fact that like it wasn't necessarily that I felt like I was different I like kept telling myself I was different right so it was like this internal monologue where I was like I feel like I have a different brain than everyone else and no one understands me and that was like an internal monologue that I've had since I can remember where I'm like even if I was very very similar to someone I like accepted that I was different and at that point I wanted to be different So it's like, even if I found like common ground with someone, I'd be like, no, we're not the same. And maybe that was like a defense mechanism for the trust thing or whatever. But that was probably my biggest issue was convincing myself that there was nothing wrong with me, but, and not necessarily that I was better than other people, but like, I was like, I have a different brain that's like functioning on like another level that people just don't understand. And that in itself made me feel like lonely but even if I found someone who did like function on the same mentality as me, I would tell myself that they didn't. So it would just like cause like the self-inflicted loneliness like mentally because I was like, I want to be different. I'm, you know, quote unquote better, even though that's not really what I mean. It's just like, I was like, I'm on another level of like understanding with certain things or whatever. And it was just this whole internal monologue I had of just convincing myself that I was different even though I might not be. Mm-hmm. So it was like really weird. So that's like another mental thing. Well, we're all trying to find reasons to live, right? And right. oftentimes it it needs to be something about me is good enough to keep going. Like something yeah. about me is is better, worthy, elevated, like whatever whatever the thing is. So I think that that's an unconscious. Well, it sounds like it's conscious for you now, but yeah. often <laughs> when we're doing it, it's like an unconscious thing. Yeah. Um, okay. But getting back to supporting others. So I think Mm -hmm. what I heard you say, and, and I want everyone to know when I first met Malcolm and I heard a story about how he moved out here and was supporting his friend, there's a couple thoughts I had. One, um, how cool that, 
you know, your friend has somebody that can help support her, um, especially because it sounds like she didn't have a whole lot of supporters out here. So it's nice. It was kind, you know, whatever you want to assign to it, that you were willing to come out here (laughs) and to help her. The other thing, though, is that we can't be the sole reason that people keep living, right? So your friend went to treatment. She's engaged in all of these things. You're just kind of a piece of the puzzle that helps support her. So I'm so glad that you said originally that if you are struggling, you have to take care of yourself. That's kind of the first thing. It's like if if you can't find a really exciting reason to wake up today, make it be that you're going to have French toast in the morning or right. hot coffee or whatever. Keep right. doing those things there's, to take care of yourself. There's this thing, so for the longest time, and we'll, we'll see what ends up happening from it, but I've thought about like writing a book or like whatever, and I want to do like this like different ideas, but like, cause you know, the brain that never stops. But one of them was just like this small book on like helping people, um, with like depression, mental illness, just like this consensus type book of like interviewing people in general, but it's not like this hard to follow along dialogue reading thing. It's like little things that you can do that'll make it seem okay. Like it doesn't seem like it's affecting that much, but like, Waking up, it's like, first thing you do, make your bed. Doesn't matter if you're, like, depressed or sad or not, make your bed. It's like, you know, buy yourself flowers. Treat yourself to dinner. It's like just small little things that seem so insignificant, but, like, it matters. Mm -hmm. For some reason, just the small things totally add up to, like, a win at the end of the day. Yeah, right. So it's like, I've thought about, like, writing a little book that's like, make your bed. Do your laundry. Go for a walk. You know, it's just like, and it's things that people you know, don't really necessarily think of. Because when you're depressed, first of all, it's like you're just, like, sleeping. Yeah. That's it. And sometimes that's totally fine. Sometimes it's what your body needs. Yeah. Your brain needs to recover this and that. You need rest. And, like, for example, it's like, um, I don't think I've been, I mean, I know I haven't been diagnosed with depression, but I know within the last, like, month I've had, like, depressive episodes because... None of my laundry is folded. I have a pile on my floor that's clean and a pile that's dirty. Half of it's in the hamper. Half of it's probably still in the washer. And it's just like, I find it really hard to do like these monotonous things. Mm-hmm. Um, things that are so simple as in, as far as like, even like brushing my teeth before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. I'll be laying down and be like, I should get up and brush my teeth and be like, I'll just start doing that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just like keep putting it off and whatever. It's like, oh, I'll just shower. And then it's like, when I went through the depressed episode, I was like, oh, dude, I didn't even know, but I haven't showered in, like, five days. Oh, yeah. Like, I should probably shower. Do I look greasy? I feel greasy, you know? And it's like, when I came out of the depressive episode, I'm like, I'm a disgusting human being. What's wrong with me? You know what I mean? And that's when I fix the stuff or whatever. But it's like, you don't know when you fall into it. You're not aware. The people around you are totally aware, though. They see it. Oh, yeah, my partner will, because I have the same, like, I've I've experienced a lot of depression in my life, and I'm one of those, too, that, like, I'll totally go to sleeping 16 hours a day, haven't, you know, just get up for work and then go back to bed, I'll forget to shower, so Tori, my wife, will be like, have you showered recently? Like, it's been three days, we should probably just, she'll be like, I'll shower with you, like, let's just do it, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, you're right, so. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so... I love talking about recovery. I really believe in recovery. I think that anybody can experience, you know, what recovery means for them. So last question in supporting others, what do you think is a really important step in developing recovery? Um, I mean, it, it's 
probably really, really, really hard for a lot of people because I know from my, my personal experience and like seeing like my friends with this, it's like for personal recovery, it's like I fully believe that you need to like trust in the people around you um, because the people around you just want what's best for you if you're surrounded by the right people. Yeah. Keep in mind where I remember you and I had talked about this before too where you had asked me like, what do I do when I need that support or whatever? And um, speaking of my friend Jamie, it's like, yeah, I take care of her and I help her with all this stuff. And, you know, who do I turn to when I'm feeling like that? Because it's like, I don't want to be putting that burden on her if she's doing and that's That's the typical mindset, right? But like the trust thing comes into play because I'm like, I'll tell her that I'm like, not okay. I'll be like, Hey, I know you're going through some stuff right now, but like, so am I. This is the issues that I'm dealing with. And more or less because people who have gone through stuff or who are going through things, they know how it feels. They're the ones who are going to like jump at the gun to like help you first. Mm-hmm. Where they'll be like, they'll set aside their own like depressive tendencies and ideas and things like that and be like, what can I do to help you? Yeah. And so that's something I had to learn where it's like totally okay for me to be like, hey, I'm not okay right now. I need space or I need you know, this or that from you. And she's like, yeah, I'm on it. Like, what do you need? I'll do it. You know? So as far as like recovery goes, I think it's just important that if you're, first of all, surround yourself with the right people. Um, I actually just had a, like, as far as recovery goes, like there's this band, um, in Minnesota called, um, Oh my gosh. Did you just hear that? (laughs) (laughs) We're in my kitchen, you guys. And apparently someone is like revving their engine. Sorry about that. Totally hardcore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, no, in Minnesota, there's this band, called Royals and their um their singer just kind of like disappeared like two years ago like literally disappeared like they put out like a missing person thing for him on Facebook and then they're like we found him whatever and then I hadn't heard anything from the band in forever and I couldn't find an Instagram for him or like nothing's been on their Facebook for two years and then I found the singer on Instagram uh shout out to Bobby Royals spelled with a z but uh he was a meth addict he got like busted with meth and stuff. And so he's been posting these things about his recovery, about like this poem about how could he love something that like ruined his life and that he hated so much and that it emptied his bank account. Like how could he love that? You know, and that's typically how addiction goes. And I have other friends who have dealt with addiction and my, my experience with them in the past was like, you do drugs, ugh, get away from me because it was just like, you know, I don't want to be involved in that world. But a lot of these people who are involved in that world don't even want to be a part of that world. That's how like addiction works. You know, it is like whether you want to call it like a disorder or this or that, it's, it's something that totally controls them. That's what addiction is. And I was talking to my friend about this the other day where I was like, and I commented on Bobby Royal's um, post that he made with that poem where I was just like, you know, this, as far as recovery goes, it's like being any type of drug addict is probably the hardest thing ever because you're in a situation where all the people that you know are also drug addicts. So where do you get the support to get out of that world unless someone in that world wants to get out with you? And in that case, who do you go to then? Because when you go to someone else who's totally sober and you go like, I like am addicted to cocaine or meth or this or that, the immediate reaction from anyone sober because it's is so like frowned upon and like, you know, the general consensus of the population is just like, oh, get away. I don't want nothing to, what you do drugs, that's bad. You're bad. 
And it's not like that. We need to be able to bridge the gap because the best thing that, like, my friend told me the best thing that helped them stay sober from alcohol and their cocaine addiction and all these things was just, like, the fact that I was like, yeah, that was you then. It's not who you want to be now. So let me help you. I'll be, like, your support, your sober friend. If all these other friends who aren't sober want to hang out with you, you say, no, come hang out with me. Come give me a call, whatever. And it's like, there needs to be this gap that's, you know, a bridge um, to bridge that gap because it's hard enough trying to become sober on your own and to like recover from something like that. And you really need to surround yourself with the right type of people Mm -hmm. to like correct whatever you want to, you know, become. Um, So with recovery, it's like surround yourself with the right people and just like trust them because they have the best interest for you, whether it's recovery from like suicidal tendencies, drug addiction, eating disorders. I mean, these are all things that I found out all my friends have. And me being someone who, you know, hasn't had a drug addiction, hasn't been an alcoholic, hasn't had an eating disorder, hasn't been suicidal, for me to be like, dude, it's it's okay. Like, it's totally fine that that stuff happened. What do you want? I will help you get there. It's like a huge statement for people who feel like no one supports them. Yeah, It's like insane. So for me to be able to be that sober person... And just be like, dude, I got you. It's completely like mind changing to so many people. Yeah. Did, were we talking about that? I know I posted about this on the Instagram page recently. It's like those words. How can I help you? Yeah. Change everything. Yeah, we were talking. Hi again, friends. So I didn't know that when you record an episode on Anchor, it stops you after an hour. Um, so Malcolm and I had to re-record the last 20 minutes of this podcast Please have some grace and patience for me as I'm still kind of learning this uh, tech piece of my adventure, but um, let's go and start listening to our re-recorded last 20 minutes with Malcolm Messer. Thanks, Malcolm. Okay, so podcast got shut off for a second, (laughs) but what we were saying was it's so important to just ask people what you can do to help them and then let them answer, right? Don't, Don't assume that you know how to help people. Yeah, so like... Like she said, there's like technical difficulties. So yeah. We already did this conversation like <laughs> one time, but I talk about it all the time because it is super important. And like you had said, if there's anything that you want people to take away from this podcast is this statement. So listen up. It's um basically like the best thing that I've experienced and what I've learned through my friend is when I'm going through something or whatever is going on, it's not to try to relate to what's going on as far as like, uh, like, so I gave an example. It's like, I went through a really bad breakup. And a lot of times when people go through breakups, there's the whole like, yeah, man, I know how you feel. Or yeah, I've been there. Like, I feel that. And saying that doesn't help because it's like, oh, I'm so glad that you feel like crap too. Just like I do. Like, it doesn't help. And at the same time, when you go like, yeah, I've been through that. Here's my experience. It totally takes away from like what you're trying to do. You're trying to like, you know, reach out and get help. And they pretty much, what it means is like, hey, I know you're going through this, but listen to what I went through. And they make it about them instead of making it about you. Um, So with my friend going through some of the stuff, I think I was having a time where I was just like, dude, I just don't know how I feel. I feel weird. I feel different. I feel not okay. And instead of them being like, yeah, I know how you feel. I feel that way too. They said, what can I do to help? And it was total game changer. It was insane to the point where, you know, I didn't really realize that that could even be something that's said. Where um, when she said it, I was like, well, 
I don't know. I don't, and like kind of put me back a step, you know, where I was just like, I don't even know what you could do to help. But if there was something that I could have told her to do, she would have done it for me. So it was that idea of just like support in general. Like that's the best way that you can show support in the simplest way is to just like be like, what can I do to help? Yeah. Well, it's so validating because it says like, I see you and it's okay. And if you need something, I'll show up for you. Right. And that's like the best kind of friend that you it's could possibly have. It's about being present. Yeah. Like that's like yeah. it. And intentional. Yeah, totally. Where it's like, I'm making a, like you just said, like an intentional decision to be here for you and offer you support. This isn't about me. It's about you. I want you to be okay. You know, like you said, it's totally validating where it's like, oh, someone actually cares about me. And especially if you're in a mindset where you don't even care about yourself, it's like kind of confusing at first, you know? So, but it's, it's so nice to hear that instead. Yeah. It's like insane. I love it. Yeah. I, I posted about that recently on our Instagram page, uh, a screenshot of a text message a friend sent me on like a really low morning and you know, I was just like, well, you know, like it was a really bad day. And and she said, what can I do to help? And I was like, you know, it's 6am. I just really want some breakfast. Like, can we just go get breakfast? Like she probably wouldn't have said, whoops, glasses off. She probably wouldn't have said, Hey, let me take you to get some fried potatoes and eggs. Right. Right. But that's what I needed. And so she was like, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Yep. And it totally made the difference. Yeah. Small things, just the little things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, my friend, I could talk to you for probably another two hours, three hours, Mm -hmm. but we don't have time. Yeah. So you want to do some end of the podcast questions? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. What is one thing coming up that you're really looking forward to? Oh, that, that wasn't even in the whole thing. I totally forgot about that. Technical difficulties. You know. So on August 30th, if you're in Minnesota, um, I'm moving back to Minnesota in six weeks, so I will be there. But Here for Life is a music promoter now. So we have our first show that we're doing called Hardcore for Life. It's at the Amsterdam Bar Hall in St. Paul in Minnesota on August 30th. Doors open at 5.30. It's $12 advance, 10, or $10 advance, 12 at the door. Um, there's like a sick lineup of bands that we've endorsed. Uh, Careful Gaze has a song called Vacant Chair that we did a collaboration shirt with that you can check out on the website. Halsey Wonder also has a collaboration shirt and we're working on endorsing the other ones. Uh, Still Breather, Osman Afterthought, and Our Common Collapse are all bands also on the roster. And that's coming up and it's going to be awesome. And hopefully within like the next couple of years, we're going to do like a tour. So that'll be super sick. And that's the condensed version because there's a lot more before. Well, all of those bands are really invested in mental health and suicide prevention. Yeah. So Careful Gay is there. They released a full length album that's been really well received. That's called uh, You Too Shall Rest. And the entire album deals with like mental health and like suicide prevention and awareness. And it's amazing. And their song, Vacant Chair, um, that we have the collaboration share for it. It's like some spoken word poetry in it. And at, towards the end of the song, he's kind of like screaming like passionately saying like, do not let your chair go vacant. And it's basically talking about like not letting that type of like depression consume you and not letting like your life force like burn out despite everything going on. And Halcyon Wonder has this song called Nova where, you know, the opening lines is they say you are who we are, that we were born this way, but nothing was created broken. 
and then there's like this breakdown in it where he screams, don't tell me how to live. And you can like kind of tell that he's screaming at his own depression and he's having like this argument like internally with himself where he says like, don't you dare tell me how to live and that I'm not coming home and stuff like that. And it's really powerful. And our common collapse released um, an EP a while ago and they're writing new music and their whole album was written about like some historical event I forget, but they have the song called The Mechanist and they're like, way 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 hardcore like i mean like old school death metal hardcore but um their whole idea is just like everyone's isolated from like technology and stuff and it shouldn't be like that people should be like together so like their song the mechanist is about like technology taking over and kind of making people like brain dead instead of being around each other and odds of an afterthought just released a whole new ep too still breather has a song I did a music video for a while ago, you can check on YouTube called, um, uh, what's the song called now? Ah, it's been so long. I don't remember. They have a song called Equanimity and like Hollow Point and stuff. It's, uh, oh, it's called Limitless. And like. Don't you have a Limitless shirt or something? It says Unconditional. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, um, they, uh, they have like a part in the song where it says like, uh, just like move along or just carry on and move along they t say that time heals everything but they were wrong just grab my hand and pull me out oh god don't let me fall again and it's just like talking about like this like struggle about like losing a loved one and stuff like that so they're all like really invested into like what i'm trying to do and so hopefully we can get all of them on board and endorse and then do like this tour using airbnbs and stuff like that i have like this whole vision of what i'm trying to do with it so that's the next event coming up, and that's what's going to be awesome, and I can't wait to show it. You can follow the social medias, too, because I'm going to be posting a bunch of stuff about it on there. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, we're going to make sure that everything is linked in the show notes so people can go see and check cool. out. And um, I wish I was going to be there. It sounds super fun. Okay, what is one thing that you want people to know about mental health or mental health struggles? Oh, yeah. To that, I'm, like, trying to remember everything I said before. That, like, it's totally normal. Yeah totally like okay like it's like if you think that you're like different you probably are because everyone's different everyone has a different brain just because you have some mental disorder it's not like something's wrong with you you just have a different wired brain like um there's this video series i watch i can't remember what it's called but it talks about someone with uh, multiple personality disorder and they have like 13 personalities in their head and she's explaining what it's like and they're like well how do you make decisions if you want to do something she's like well, there's like 13 voices in my head and like we all have to be in like agreement to do it if we want to do it. Wow. Yeah. So it's like some of us will be like more shy and coy and it's just like, nah, I don't want to do that. And then the rest of the voices in my head have to really like talk to it and be like, no, dude, it's okay. We're all going to be there. It's going to be fine. And she's like, it's not that I'm like, people don't know that because I dealt with it my whole life so I can like control it. You know, I can act normal like there isn't 13 voices in my head, but there is. She's like, and there's nothing wrong with me. My brain's just wired differently. Mm -hmm. I'm like missing a part of my brain that like, is like my thoughts aren't thoughts. They're actual like personalities. And like, I can have conversations with myself and like, it's actual different voices and stuff. And like, to me, I hear that. I'm like, that's cool. I'm like, you're just different. You know, you just have different wired brain. Nothing's wrong with you. So that's like the biggest thing about mental health is like, it's totally normal. Yeah. Totally normal. And I don't know if I said this, with this part or the next part but like about the therapy stuff i totally advocate for it but at the same time it is super super terrifying 
and I understand that like 100% because I should probably go to therapy, but I am so scared to. I mean, because the first thing is like, it's something new that you haven't done before. So that's scary in itself. And you're worried that they're going to tell you something's wrong with you because like mental illness is perceived as something being wrong with you. Like, and even though I advocate for it, just know that like, I also understand why it's so scary. So do it like in your own time. When you're ready for it, and so you can have the support of other people, but don't let other people like totally hardcore peer pressure you into doing it. Like something's wrong with you. You, this is something else too that like I didn't even get to say before, but it's like, you know when something's wrong and when you need the help and you know that the resources are there. And like a good example of why I'm like bringing this up is I had a friend who had posted about Here for Life and they had someone reach out to them saying like, what if someone you know is suicidal, this or that? And he had messaged me like, what do I tell her? And I just sent him the suicide hotline number. And he's like, really man, that's all you can give me? And I'm like, dude, like, I don't know their previous medical conditions. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know if they have previous attempts, alcoholism, death in the family, breakup. And I was like, there's so many things and I am not a trained professional. I was like, we give resources so they can seek professional help and more or less that they know that the resources are there. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, he's like, I'm just frustrated because you gave me a Google answer. I'm like, did you Google it? And he's like, well, no, I'm like, she knows it's there and she's probably Googled it before, but she's scared to call it because it makes people like feel weak. It makes them feel like, no, I got this. And it's like, not like that. I was like, it's your job to be a member of like the here for life community to be like, it's totally okay that you call this number. Like take care of yourself, you know? So in your own time, it's like, you know, when resources are there, you know, when someone like something's wrong, you know, when something's not right with your body or your brain, cause you can tell. And it's like, admitting your like you had mentioned before previously it's like admitting your own diagnosis is like so hard but like i'm sure it's so like relieving at the same time oh man so relieving and actually um i want you to know that that response was probably the most ethical and best way you could have ever responded because it's not like unless you're a trained professional unless you've been to school and you're certified and you're licensed and you've had all of that experience um really we shouldn't be trying to provide support we should just be offering resources and the suicide prevention hotline is the best right best that or a hospital yeah it's like the most basic resource that we have that's available to everybody everyone anyone can call it and i will um, put the link in the show notes as well and actually on our um, project uh stay alive um, blog page we did a whole blog about how to ask people if they're suicidal because it could save a life Mm -hmm. and there's also like speaking of that there's like totally signs that you can pick up on like you can just tell like my friend before i convinced them to go to treatment like they started kind of like getting rid of all their stuff and i'm like why are you throwing everything away and they're like just decluttering and i'm like hmm that's a red flag to me considering everything that's going on and that's when i was like you need to go and then they bumped their appointment up and then they wouldn't even let them leave like it was that bad So, and luckily, like, they're here now, you know? And, like, it was night and day difference. It was insane, but, like, and, like, they went to therapy, like, different types of therapy, like, five different types of therapy, like, three times a day. Like, that's what the intensive in-house care was like. And, like, you know, speaking of that, it's just, like, when she came out, it was night and day difference, but she was also under, like, a strict, like, therapy, 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 therapy. And I did this post a while ago about, um, I was out for a run and I was like, dude, running is like so hard for me now. And I used to be able to run like 
miles or run a mile in like six and a half minutes or seven minutes or whatever and that was so hard for me and I was thinking about it and I was like well I created before I had created a habit and I had been committed to it and I was like I want to do this and I was like I think it totally ties in with your mental health too it's like if you do not get your mental health and keep it in check like consistently and create habits to take care of your mental health like things could you know fall apart again and I brought that up to my friend where I'm like I want you to go to therapy like consistently like not like every day but I mean like once every three months is like a checkup because I was like you didn't go to therapy for 10 years and it got that bad to the point where you know you wanted suicide and I was like and I feel like if you don't keep it in check it might get that bad again because it's no different than your body deteriorating it's your brain totally just like fighting against itself you know so that was something else too just a thought I had is like the mental health checkups are totally normal but like I had mentioned before it's like totally terrifying Mm -hmm. to go and and I think you have a blog post um about finding finding a good like um therapist or psychologist or something I think you have like a blog post and just like resources on how to find a good one for you yeah yeah we can put a link to that yeah there's um one of the tools that I've used a lot is the psychology today find a therapist and it's basically like a dating app for therapists like it'll just Hmm. have all of the local providers what insurances they accept, what like modalities they adhere to. Yeah, I didn't even know about that. Oh, it's um that was one of our most recent Instagram posts, so check it out. But yeah. um yeah, going to therapy is is terrifying and you sometimes have to like I said, it's like dating. Like you have to maybe check out three, four or five before you find, one you're before really you like, find a good one. But when you find a good one, oh man. Oh, and I'm sure you feel so vulnerable when you're there too, just like exposed. Oh yeah. You know, so but, terrifying. But in a good way. That's so liberate. I mean, like I, I mean, and this is going to go into the next, the next question, but like, I truly think that I'm still alive and doing so well because I've, I've had two social workers in my life that really saw me and like, were like, okay, you're not doing well. This is, this is a plan we have to build. Like nobody else was willing to say, Sarah, like you're bad. It's bad. Yeah. You know, and they, and they did, and they did it in a kind and loving way and they helped me get the support. Right. And that was like the same thing with my friend where I'm like, Hey, it is, it's gotten like bad enough where I'm like genuinely concerned. Yeah. Like, please go. If not for you, for me, you know, it's like, I will support you. I will visit you. I will be there. Don't worry. Like it will be okay. You know, like having that type of support is like huge. Yeah. So yeah, there's times when I go through the motions and I, I do it for my wife. I don't do it for me. And it doesn't mean that, like, as a whole, I'm living for my wife because I'm not. I'm living for me. I, I like, most days I really love my, my life. But on the days when I don't, I, like, get up and I go through the motions because I've got a dog and I've got right. a wife That's and right. I have friends. That's about and... the, the suicidal ideation. Yeah, that whole thing about the driftwood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, final podcast question because you're going to tell your fun story Give us one reason to stay alive. Yeah, so uh, going into the whole driftwood thing that I just mentioned, I read this article about suicidal ideation and how basically, in short, dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts is like normal, but the metaphor they get for it is kind of treading water in an ocean where some days it's, you know, calmer than the others and other days it's like a huge storm that's like really hard to like stay afloat. And like also, even if it is like calm waters, it's like you can't tread water forever, you get tired. So then there's these things that come by like driftwood or a life raft or whatever that help you stay afloat. And 
for me, for the longest time, when my friend kept saying, like, you're the reason I'm alive, you're the reason I'm here, or, like, if you weren't here, I wouldn't be here, and that, like, put a lot of weird pressure on me because I was like, well, I want you to want to be here even if I'm not here. Like, because if I disappear for some reason, that means you're going to be gone too, and I don't like that. Yeah, I feel almost, like, guilty about that then. And then I read this article, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm driftwood. I was like, I'm not the reason she's alive. I'm just helping her stay afloat, right? So going into... The last question with that too, it's like, for me, the question was like, reason to stay alive, right? It was, uh, my reason was like to be there for like other people. Because if you talk about your mental health, not only like you said, is it liberating for you to admit your own diagnosis and like whatever, but like you're also gonna get the help and the resources that you need to help you. And you being open about your diagnosis is gonna lead others to be open about theirs and you can offer each other support. And like, the more we talk about it, the more normal it becomes. So it's like the whole idea is to just like make sure everyone feels like welcome and like normal because it's totally normal. So be there for other people. That's my reason. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Wow. This was so cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. I can't wait for people to listen to this. Like I said, everything is going to be in the show notes so you can check out Malcolm's Here for Life clothing brand and the upcoming show. What's it called? Hardcore for life. Hardcore the, for life. The title of it. That's yeah. right, because it's like rock bands. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Hardcore music. <laughs> hardcore music. Um, and and follow Malcolm on his journey to help creating more inclusive communities. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you later. Yeah.